Hey there. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Knowledge. I'm Jennifer. Last week, I shared with you some pretty raw emotional information from myself in You're Not Broken. Um, And I told you kind of at the end of that episode that I would share more with you about that story. That's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. This one I called The Line in the Sand. Real quick, if you haven't listened to You're Not Broken, the end of the episode, because I'm not going to I'm not gonna ruin the whole episode for you. There's a lot of great stuff in there. So go back and listen to it. What you need to know to understand the subject of this episode is, I was married to a man who has, who has immense anger management issues. And because I was trying to stay in that marriage, because I thought it was the only person who would love me, <laughs> I was forced to live with the cycle of abuse. And I put up with it for years because I believed a number of things, which if you hear, listen to the previous podcast, you'll hear. So, But I found myself in a marriage where I was miserable, <laughs> married to somebody that when I look back on it now, I realize I didn't love, nor did he love me. But I was married to a man who put me through emotional and mental abuse on a regular basis for a decade, in a, on, a, on a daily basis for a decade, um, because we had a kid together. There were years where there was still some influence of that. And the things that I had to deal with because of his um, inability to get his shit together um, or to address and to own his fucking issues. <laughs> anyway, I was married to a man with anger management issues who I walked around on eggshells in my life because God for fucking bid, I made him mad or upset and had to spend the next three, five, seven days, sometimes it was longer than that, dealing with either an angry person or a sad, mopey person, fucking Eeyore. I mean, I love Eeyore, except for I also, like, I was, well, I think I liked Eeyore better before I was married to Eeyore. But anyway, I should have, should have broken the chain. Now, I don't like to should myself. I don't like to should anybody, okay? But I look back on it, and my upbringing, my belief structures, the things I was subscribing to up until this particular point in time, led me to accept ridiculous fucking behavior and led me to diminish myself and not stand up for myself and just take the bullshit somebody else was giving me. Okay? For years, I would find myself apologizing for him throwing game controllers, for him screaming, for him acting like a five-year-old. No, I mean, God, there are five-year-olds that behave better than him. There for him throwing these temper tantrums over the most ridiculous shit. Um, something that happened in a, in a, what do you call it? The, you know, like the sporting events that you pay, intramurals. Something that happened in an intramural, college intramural game. It's not even like he was fucking playing for college or that he was like in a professional league where he got a paycheck for his performance. It's a fucking intramural game. <laughs> anyway, losing his shit over that, losing his shit over something that happened in a blue-collar beer league roller hockey league in Waco, Texas. But anyway. Oh, and the, the, my favorite, though, is the video games. Let me pause and come back and throw the video controllers. Oh, or, or the day that I got a phone call that he broke his work computer monitor because he threw the mouse because the computer wasn't doing what he wanted it to do. I don't know about you guys, but 
Let me explain for you this, the absurdity of that in case you're not following. A computer is only as good as its input. It's not alive. It's not sentient. <laughs> and he was mad that the computer had not done what he wanted it to do. So he threw a mouse and broke a monitor. Now, at the time, we had, like, no money because we were young and newly married and just bought a house. So um, paying to replace that monitor was painful. And I um, felt very much like I was raising that grown-ass man because I had to tell him that that behavior was unacceptable. And then that he had to go write the check and pay for the monitor because he was not going to let work pay to replace the monitor for his behaviors, right? Okay, so there were plenty of opportunities along the way that I could have stood up for myself, <laughs> that I could have said, enough is enough, but I didn't. And um, seven years into our marriage, we had a kid because I was like dead set on having a kid before I was 30. <laughs> I love my child very much and I wouldn't undo him. Um, but I did not go into that situation with a lot of foresight. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we had a kid. And part of me really believed that if we had a home and good stable jobs and a kid, that maybe this 30-year-old man would grow up and behave like a man. I'd behave like a rational human being. I don't even want to vilify men. It's not like there was like it's a something that's restricted to men. That he would behave like a rational, mature human adult. Okay? <laughs> I felt like I was putting the bar pretty low. Just be a rational, mature human adult. But so we have this kid. He's fantastic. Love him to death. We are taking a road trip with our seven month. A road trip from Dallas, Texas to the middle of nowhere, Iowa. And for why? Because we needed to have four generations of a family in a photo for somebody's birthday. So we cart ourselves up. I cart the kid and all of the things that go with a seven month old. I don't know if you have, if you, if you have children. Maybe you've experienced this. One small human comes with a shit ton of stuff. Like you have to take all kinds of stuff for children. <laughs> so we cart all of it into the car and we drive across country. And it takes us two days to get from Dallas to middle of nowhere, Iowa. We to stop in, I'm trying to remember where we stopped. Not St. Louis. It doesn't matter. Joplin, Missouri. I don't know. Nobody cares. We stop ish-ish halfway, right? Okay, so two days of full-out driving with a seven-month-old. Now, that in itself would be enough, right? One small human, four adults, because by the way, it was me and my ex-husband and his parents. So one small human, four adults, you would think reasonable, enough people to take care of it, but still a long day, long couple of days. But insider secret here, I was the only one of those adults capable of taking care of said child. One adult taking care of one small human and three other adults watching. <laughs> we get to middle of nowhere, Iowa, and I basically get treated like I get treated like the nanny and like not even a good looking line. And like, you know, like I get treated like the redheaded stepchild of nannies. Um, my son and I are treated like an accessory. We are um, told when to be at events for the express purpose of showing up and being smiling pretty and showing off the baby and being in pictures and making sure that everybody gets a look at the baby and gets to see how wonderful 
the baby is now y'all he's fantastic i love him but <laughs> he is an accessory and i am just the person who takes said baby around who feeds said baby clothes said baby and make sure he's freshly changed and not messy for pictures so said baby and i spend a lot of time uh in the hotel room in the middle of nowhere iowa now they didn't even leave me a car <laughs> they didn't leave me the car so um this is like before the days of uber too so me and said baby are trapped in this hotel room in the middle of nowhere iowa while everyone comes and goes and goes off to do things and goes and plays golf and goes on runs and goes shopping and goes eating and i am in a hotel room with said baby and um my ex-husband at the end of this trip as we're driving back um has the the nerve to get mad at me for not engaging with him to a level that he expected. And by that, I mean, I wasn't fawning over him. I wasn't physically interested in being all up in his business. <laughs> um, I was distancing myself. I was, when the child was sleeping on my phone, interacting with, I don't know, some probably some stupid fucking game or texting my friends because again, I was the fucking nanny. I just like carted the baby around. So you know what? I was going to do me. He had the nerve to get mad at me, and now he was already upset with me. And this poor baby, who has been in four different places in almost as many days, has had his schedule completely turned upside down, has been sleeping in a pack-and-play. I don't know if you guys have ever crawled in a pack-and-play. That shit is not comfortable. <laughs> but I thought he was doing pretty good for the hell we had put this seven-month-old through. He was asleep, and he woke up and was crying, was upset, and not like bad crying, but just like... I don't know where I am and I'm not comfortable. Somebody come give me something that's familiar. And since I didn't want to wake up my in-laws by bringing the baby downstairs, I asked my husband, the baby's father, <laughs> to do the terrible, horrible, I can't believe I'm such a bitch because I asked him to do this thing of going and picking up his kid and soothing him until I could come upstairs with the bottle. So I go down making the bottle, getting it ready. And I just figured I was going to give him this bottle and he's going to be in like a little milk coma and all was going to be good. And we get up in the morning, we'll be big back home. Great. Fabulous things. I cannot be downstairs for more than about three minutes. <laughs> I know this because that's about how long it takes to warm up a bottle. And I'm downstairs and I hear from downstairs, my ex-husband say, well, he's my husband at the time, whatever you want to call him, that guy. I hear him say angry words. I don't even know exactly what he said. I could just hear the tone and I could hear the, like, the volume and the anger in the words. And then I heard how hard he set the child down in the pack and play. And there have been very few times in my life that I don't remember things. But I don't remember the trip from standing there at that counter, holding the bottle, making testing the milk to make sure it was not going to burn anybody. And the next thing being in front of my ex-husband, taking my baby from him and saying the following things, you will never talk to my baby like that again. And if you have any desire to continue to be in a family with the two of us, you will get help for your anger because this child did nothing and you just took out your frustration on him. And I turned and I walked down the stairs because I just had to put as much space as I possibly could be between us. And I'm sitting in the rocking chair in the living room, just outside of my in-law's bedroom where they are sleeping. And I am feeding the baby. And blissfully, he has gone off into milk coma land. And he is fucker out. But I am not ready to go back upstairs just yet. Matter of fact, I had 
quite the idea that I was going to stay in that chair and just rock that baby right all fucking night long. <laughs> but my ex had different plans because apparently in the time that um, I was downstairs, he was stewing and he comes down, flying down the stairs and across the living room, pointing at me, yelling at me, <laughs> accusing me of, um, I'm trying to remember now, I have checked out, of, you have checked out of this marriage. You don't care. You don't give a fuck anymore. All you care about is your phone and spending time with your friends. And you don't care about me anymore. And you don't, all this out of there. You've given up on this relationship. And he is screaming at me. <laughs> and um, I let him go. And I was sitting there holding our baby who is sleeping. By some miracle, God, he hasn't woken up. But I know that my in-laws, who are in just the next room over, I know they're awake. So I sit there and I let him finish his rant. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to have this discussion with you right now. I will be happy to talk with you about it when you are calm. If that needs to be tomorrow, it can be tomorrow. But I'm not going to have this discussion with you right now. You never want to talk to me anymore. You want to just, you just want to brush another steps. I want to talk about it now. We're going to talk about it now. So I said, no, you can talk about it now, but I'm not going to be part of it. Baby is sleeping. I'm tired. Your parents are probably trying to go back to sleep. We can talk about it later. So I stand up and I go put the baby down back in the pack and play. Poor baby. I felt so bad for him. And I'm sitting there on the bed just contemplating what I'm going to do next because I know that he is not going to let this go. He has this nugget he is angry about. He's not going to let it go. So I just decide that I'm going to draw the line in the sand. I'm just done. And I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to do it as succinctly as I can. Again, every opportunity to, for us to course correct. But I'm going to go out there and very calmly say what I have to say. And then I'm going to go read a book or something until I am ready to, to calm down and be, I don't know, ready for bed again. But I walk out of the room and I find him sitting in another room. And I just very plainly looked at him and said, I don't care where you go when we get back to Waco. But you are not coming back into our home until you gotten a therapist and you have been to at least one session. Once you have gotten a therapist and you have had that session, you and I can discuss the terms of you coming back into our home. For nearly 10 years now, I have accepted your bad behavior. I have accepted your anger and the cycle of abuse that goes with it. And I have taken it and I have put up with it and I have done everything I possibly can to make your life easy. And I've made excuses for you. And every time that I have brought it up and you have agreed to go to counseling, I have believed you. And then when you didn't, I failed to hold you accountable. So that's on me because I continued to allow your bad behavior. But that ends today. I said, because... While for some reason I found it acceptable for you to mistreat me, I will not allow you to live in a home and influence our child in that way. I will not have him growing up seeing that behavior and thinking that that is perfectly acceptable. Nor will I have him growing up being the victim 
of your anger would be better for us to live in separate houses with separate lives than for to, for me to continue to subject him to that abuse. So I don't care where you go when we get back to Waco, but you are not coming back to our home until you get help. I don't know why things happen sometimes in the sense of, I don't know, like I want to be able to tell you that I recognized that I deserved better. I know I did, but because I had the belief, I subscribed to the belief that I was broken and that he was probably the only person that was ever going to love me. Weirdly, never actually loved me, but there you go. Um, I put up with it. I put up with it for a very, 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 very long time. But thankfully, I had the ability to draw the line in the sand and stand up for myself and my kid when it came down to it. There's absolutely nothing wrong, folks, with putting boundaries in your life. There's absolutely nothing wrong with saying this does not serve me. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with expecting that home be a place of tranquility, that people you are in relationship with um, work on themselves, that people in that your relationship with don't abuse you or others. Those are all perfectly acceptable things. You have a right to live in peace, to have a home that's quiet and recharging and tranquil. You have a right to have a life that is free from abuse, be it physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. <laughs> you have a right. That is a basic human right. So if you are in a position where you are accepting somebody else's abusive behavior, I'm going to tell you it might be really fucking scary to draw that line in the sand and say enough. And I can't tell you that there won't be times that where things are hard afterwards because my life didn't immediately become perfect when I did that. Matter of fact, it went through um, another several months of hard before we were divorced. And then there were months where I struggled because I was a single mom raising a kid by herself. Because I chose to have a human with um, another human who is incapable of thinking about others, about making his son a priority, about putting his son first, or making any kind of choices that involve bettering himself in order to be a present and active, supportive parent in his child's life. Okay, But it was infinitely worse staying in a relationship that was that abusive. And I am lucky. Like, it sounds really twisted for me to say that I'm lucky. I am lucky that it was only emotional and, and, and mental. I am unlucky that it was emotional and mental because that shit scars in ways that you cannot see. Not only does the outside world not see them, but it took me a long, it took me a long time to see the emotional scars, the mental scars, the way that fucked with my head, the way that it made me have trust issues and a lot of things. Okay. But it is, was infinitely worse to be in that situation. So if you are in a situation where somebody is abusive to you, be that a spouse or significant other, a family member, a friend, love, I'm telling you it is better. It is better to draw that line in the sand and stand up for yourself. It's infinitely better because you're not alone and losing those people. If you have um, not listened to my episode called the discount bin, losing those people does not decrease your worth. 
right? Actually standing up for yourself and having um, boundaries in place increases your self-value, the way the way you are valuing yourself, okay? If you are in that situation, please, please stand up for yourself. Please get help. If it's outside resources, if it's legal, if it's therapy, if it's a place to live, please, there are people in your life that want to help you, that will not judge you, that will accept you exactly with what's going on. And they will open their arms and love you, embrace you, and help you, okay? Please stand up for yourself. So, whew, another rough week, folks. Another rough week, and I am sorry to tell you, we got some heavy life lessons. These are, these two have kind of set the stage for, help you understand how I got to, um, you know, some of the places, some of the things in my life, um, some of the decisions and things that I didn't dig into before because I was afraid of what would happen or I was afraid of making somebody else uncomfortable. I was afraid of sharing the truth because it might make somebody else look bad. Um, my need to protect people that don't deserve protecting. Anyway, so until next week, know that you are loved and that you are not alone and be well. Thanks for listening.